Hello and welcome to another fabulous guest interview episode of the Coaches and Leaders Assemble podcast. My name is Laura Royal from DNA Coach and as always, I'll be your host for today's episode. It's a real pleasure to welcome Claire Walton to today's guest episode, our second one being released in a series of guest episodes featuring experts, thought leaders in their field from the coaching leadership people and culture arena and Claire Walton is absolutely wonderful. You will love this episode. Claire and I ended up talking about a real mixed bag of stuff and I won't steal any of the episode thunder but please do listen. As always there is a lovely toolkit so if you haven't already please head on over to www.dnacoach.co.uk forward slash podcast to subscribe. That way you won't miss out on any future notifications of episodes and you'll get access to any available toolkits from the episodes that some of them come with, which today is one of them. So head on over there, toot sweet if you haven't already done so. And without further ado, please welcome Claire Walton. Welcome Claire Walton, how are you? I'm not too bad. I've got to be honest. You know me. I'm always honest. I'm still a little bit of a cold, but hopefully it's going to all stay intact for today. Oh, good, good. Well, you sound delightful as always. So even though you might be experiencing a bit of a cold, you sound great. So uh, I hope you're okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining the Coaches and Leaders Assemble podcast. I can't wait to chat to you about all of your lovely topics today. So everyone, this is Claire Walton. Um, Claire and I met online during the pandemic. I think. Claire and I met maybe on one of the CEIPD sessions that I delivered and then Claire also I invited to be a guest speaker at the Coaches and Leaders Assemble mini conference back in June of this year at the Maldron Hotel in Newcastle which was a fabulous event so first and foremost Claire thank you so much for doing that and of course joining today on the podcast it is absolutely wonderful that you're doing that um so thank you so much how do you feel that the um mini conference went did you enjoy it oh do you know what honestly it was fantastic and i was so pleased that rather than just turn up and do my bit i stayed for the entire day because you know i mean i have to say it's one of the best days that i've had you know from a even self-development point of view, listening to such great speakers. uh, And it was just, it was a lovely vibe as well, Laura. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely loved listening to everyone's talk and the engagement with the audience and the crowd that were there. It was just a super day, real connection. And the topics that people were sharing, you know, you, all of the other guest speakers were so powerful. And I think there was a real takeaway from every single session for every person in the audience. And and likewise, I'm really glad that you stayed for the day because sometimes we don't invest enough in our own development, don't we? So just that that self-development piece from the day definitely resonated with me as well. Yeah. Although you're saying that, I'm 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 always doing something. In fact, at the moment, I've got three things on. <laughs> oh, fab! Oh, I love that. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Interestingly, even though I've said we don't always pay enough attention to our self development, it's some of the things that we we maybe don't realise that actually are. For example, reading a book or listening to a podcast. These are all the things that can definitely make a difference, as well as doing maybe the more formal stuff, joining a a session, for example, or going on a course. So um, chat to us about that in a wee second. But first of all, Claire, do tell our delightful audience a little bit about you. So who you are, what your business is, and a little bit about what you do. 
Yeah. Just keeping it really brief, Laura. And yeah. um, I call me business leaders are mad. It's a brand name, which is really a brand name for me um, because I don't employ anybody else. You know, I operate as um, fundamentally an executive leadership and peak performance coach. And I work one to one in groups and with teams. I very occasionally will partner up with other people if we've got a big event or something going on. Um, so that's me. Been doing it for 10 years, altogether professionally coaching uh, for 14 years. Um, and prior to that, I was a HR director uh, for some notable UK brands. Fabulous. Well, I love that phrase, a notable UK brand. That's a good one. I'm keeping that up my sleeve as well, I think. Uh, great. And I love your brand, Leaders Are Mad. And it's about making that difference, isn't it, that you speak about often? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's so important that the focus of attention in the sort of work that we do is about the difference that we are going to make with the client, whether that client's an organisation, a group, an individual, rather than the, the sort of um, the process of what we're doing. So I'm always yeah. focused on, which I was in my previous job, you know, it's very outcome, very results. You know, what are we ultimately trying to achieve? What's the difference we're trying to make? What's the impact? Um, and, and constantly flexing the way that I do things with the clients to make sure that we achieve that, you know, rather than they show up and go through the, pro, you know, the, the go through the process sort of thing. It, it's constantly challenging myself to make that difference for people. Great. Love it. Excellent, Claire. And again, thank you so much for dedicating your time as well today. Now, we had a little bit of a blether um, just before we started the official recording, just about some of the topics that are really um, noteworthy right now that you have on your mind, that you're talking about already with the people that you're engaging with, and you thought some of these topics would be really good to share today. So let's kickstart us with, you were talking about getting out of your comfort zone. Tell us a wee bit more about where you're at with that right now. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, first of all, it's something that um, people that know me know that I do a lot personally, you know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my development, you know, isn't just the academic stuff and all the things that you sort of mentioned, but a lot of it is about constantly pushing myself to be outside of that comfort zone because that, that's where we, we learn, of course. And that comes up a lot with my clients because a lot of my clients will tend to, to be, although they're getting a bit younger these days, but they'll tend to be, you know, around their kind of like 40s and 50s. And they've got to a position in the hierarchy where, quite frankly, generally speaking, they're not pushing themselves out of their comfort zone very often because they've got to a point of they've been doing that for a long while. It does take quite a lot of resilience, but also it's kind of protecting you know, where they're at. And the danger in that is that they, they stop learning. Um, they stop um, trying new things because they don't want to feel the discomfort of that, the vulnerability of that. Um, they don't want to have that fear of, and it's a fear of, it's not really a reality, but that fear of how people might judge them whilst they're out of their comfort zone and doing things that... Um, yeah, they find difficult, they find fearful, um, and that as a consequence, whilst they're out there, they're probably not performing at their best at that point in time. And um, and I'm constantly encouraging my clients to, to try different things, even outside of the workplace and the leadership role, to just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. 
and, and that then really helps them when it then comes into getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable within the workplace. And I think this is a really powerful um, mindset, isn't it, to to consider and the approach perhaps that we take because there is going to be things that we do find uncomfortable. And sometimes I, I can only speak from my own experience and some of the clients that I've worked with in the past, you've sort of shied away from that. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Actually, I, I don't want to put myself in those situations or, or those scenarios. And of course, if there's anything that's, you know, danger filled, then of course don't do that. But sometimes those little things that might feel uncomfortable. And I say the little things because it might feel overwhelming or challenging in that moment. Sometimes those challenging things can lead to something perhaps new, different, beautiful, wonderful. You know, we've got to where we are in our lives, haven't we, by going through some tough stuff. So, you know, getting uncomfortable with the uncomfortable, I love that approach. Yeah. And it's like, that's how we grow. And do you know, I think it's more important now than it ever was before. And, you know, I say a lot to people, look, I completely empathize with my clients. I used to be in their shoes, but over probably over 11 years ago now, when I was a director and executive director, and it, it got harder. So I completely empathize. The thing is, all the more reason to, to grow at pace. And so if you want to grow as an individual and a professional at pace, I think in order to do that, in fact, I know because of the research that I read behind this as well, in order to do that, one needs to put oneself in really uncomfortable situations. <laughs> You've really got to grasp the nettle because um, it's the at pace bit. You know, the world around us is changing so quickly. We have to adapt to it in terms of our knowledge and our skills and our mindsets and everything um, at pace. And so one of the ways to do that is sometimes to do quite extreme things. And you do a little bit of this in your personal life because I am obviously I'm a fan girl, Claire, and I follow you on LinkedIn and I see all the wonderful things that you share. So give us some examples of what that could look like for anyone listening today. Okay, well, some of it as well is quite simple. So I'll do kind of um, two of my this year ones that um, are fairly extreme. So the first one, and lots of people have done this, I know, but loads more haven't. Um, so doing a skydive um, yeah. where I was attached to somebody else. The real funny thing about this, Laura, is the person I was attached to was the guy that 10 minutes before I had just complained to quite vehemently mm. about how long we'd been waiting. <laughs> I told you to, to find out who you were going to be attached to, to be thrown out this aeroplane at 16 and a half thousand feet um he was the one I mean talk about having to trust somebody with your life um that's just a typical story from my life that um yeah, anyway. that is absolutely hysterical I'm sorry I'm trying my hardest not to prop her belly laugh because if I start I'll not stop that's brilliant <laughs> Well, and I was the first one that they threw out, and he probably did, literally. I, I'm sure. Do you know what? We were supposed to only be 10,000 foot, and we went to 16,500, and I think he did wow. that deliberately to scare me. <laughs> and before that, I was scared of heights. Before yeah. that, I, I had quite a big thing about putting myself at physical risk as well for all sorts of different reasons we haven't got time to go into. And, and, I, and do you know what? I mean, I was 54 then. I'm 55 now. I didn't want to diminish the way I live the rest of my life by getting so damn scared of um, yeah, of doing things that might hurt me, if that makes sense. 
So yeah, that's probably about the biggest thing that you can do from a scary perspective, um, that sort of thing. But then <laughs> the latest, some people tell me they're not sure whether or not this is worse. So I'm I'm into week three of an eight-week program of one workshop every Monday night of training to do stand-up comedy. Oh my goodness, Claire, this is wonderful. <laughs> so it's a completely different type of discomfort. Um, and it's not the discomfort for me of getting up on stage because because I've as you you know witnessed, I quite like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's <laughs> as one of my clients said to me when I mentioned it to him, he said, um, yeah, but Claire, are you funny? And he, and he was genuine, he was sincere. He'd never seen me or thought of me as, as a person that can be funny because he'd only ever really seen me kind of in kind of like one-to-one type situations where I'm either coaching him or we're having that style of conversation and we're going quite deep and serious and so on. And do you know, I have no idea whether or not I am actually going to be able to be funny, especially in that extreme you know, situation where at the end of this program, we get to um, perform at the Georgian Theatre in Stockton and there'll be 150, I think it is, uh, people there and we get to do our five-minute stand-up that we've been preparing. You are amazing. So tell me when that is, Claire, when, when is that date? <laughs> um, it's the, I think it's the 29th, it's a Sunday, I think it's the 29th of October. Right. Uh, you've heard it here first, folks. Get this in your diaries if you can get to Stockton. Um, Claire, if I can make it, I definitely will, because I'd love to see you and others do that. So um, what an opportunity. And that's right out of you know some people's comfort zones, isn't it? And I love the fact that you're pushing yourself to do some of that stuff and, and as a development opportunity. And this is these are the things that we could be putting ourselves into that gives gives us that growth, that gives us that opportunity, that lets us try out some new things. So uh, I love that you're doing that. And has it been okay so far? The three weeks in, has it been has it been enjoyable? <laughs> it's harder than you might think. I mean, it's certainly harder than I thought was thinking it would be uh, to craft um, enough funnies within the five minutes um, and do it without. Um, overly offending or in fact offending anybody so you've got to be careful with some of that because because yeah. the comedy you know comedy has changed quite a bit more recently of course um yeah and and and, and remembering as well that whilst there's a germ of truth in pretty much everybody's comedy act you know you're not going to go and tell the truth because some of you I mean some of my life is quite funny to be fair um it's like funny tragedy sometimes um but you know, you've got to exaggerate it to make it really funny. So, yeah, it's harder than I thought. We've only we've only had two sessions so far. So I'm in my kind of like um, doing my homework this week for the next week mm-hmm. being um, week three. But we'll see. But again, this is my point about. So if I do this, which is quite extreme, what's it going to teach me in terms of what I am capable of? You know, if I'm capable of doing something that scares the life out of me like the skydive, like this, you know, if I'm capable of doing that, what else am I capable of? So there's part of that, but there's also the skills you develop along the way. And here's my kind of point with people in leadership roles that I coach. Fine, if you don't want to be vulnerable to begin with within your company, your role, et cetera, then go and do something that's going to be kind of like grow transferable skills or just grow your ability to be comfortable with discomfort 
um, in a completely different place. So put it this way, if I am not funny on the 29th of October, it doesn't really matter. That's not my yeah. day job. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know, and, and that's kind of my point with maybe doing things that are even outside of work first. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great outlook. And actually, from a five minute perspective and and these these five minutes that we might experience in any um, uh, walk of life or any situation or scenario, they're, they're not the things that are solely you. They don't define you. So as you've said, that's not what your day job is. You know, that's not your moment to say, am I a comedian or not? It's it's actually an opportunity for growth. So this is this is great. So definitely 29th of October in my diary, um, Stockton Bounds. There we go. Um, if I don't make it somebody needs to record that and get that uploaded uh, quick <laughs> quickly to see fantastic now you mentioned as well that you've been reading a book about um uh, that getting out of your comfort zone uh, what is the book that you're reading right now claire yeah because so because this is obviously a theme for me um i was really attracted to a book which is called the comfort crisis mm-hmm. uh, it's by a guy called michael easter and the book actually um it it takes you on a trip that he did to Alaska, to like a really remote part of Alaska that was incredibly physically and mentally and emotionally challenging for all sorts of different reasons. And as he talks you through the 33 days that he's on this trip, he also then um, talks about how we have just become um, a society that's got way too used to being comfortable and all the downsides of the comfort that we have on a daily basis. So forget the extreme stuff that I've just spoken about and even the extreme that he goes through in Alaska. You know, we've got so comfortable. I think a really good example here is we've got, which he also talks about, we've got so comfortable, we are never bored. We are never ever bored I don't know if this is you or not Laura but you know it's been me it sometimes still is me but I challenge myself with this um you know you are stood at a queue at Tesco can you actually even just stand at a queue at Tesco and not get your phone out not try and distract yourself with something you know can can you have even just 10 minutes in the house without the radio on or the tv on or a conversation with somebody or looking at you something on youtube <laughs> a podcast in your ears or something. Can you actually just be, you know, alone for 10 minutes in silence and allow the boredom? Because the problem is if we don't do that, because you might say, well, so what does it matter? Yeah, it does matter. Because again, there is research, but we don't have time for me to go into that, you know, can demonstrate, can prove that if we don't allow ourselves to get bored, we reduce creativity. Creativity actually has been um vastly reduced over the last few years there's some research that he quotes in there that I can't quote off the top of my head but they've been tracking creativity and our creativity is on the downturn and it's mm-hmm. because we are so distracted usually with several things at once yeah I absolutely agree I'm taking a note of that book as well Claire what a great recommendation it's um, definitely something I've spoke to um, about with family and friends before especially witnessing this in children for example because we are I mean as a society we are attached to our phones aren't we but actually I notice it more present with with children that they are constantly switched on because we've obviously experienced in our lives times before we had the digital transformation that we we live and breathe in now. But actually, 
how do we experience those moments of boredom? How do we experience those, those moments of quiet or nothing to do? I treasure those moments. I, I seek out those moments. I find them because sometimes it's, it's, it's needed and we need to just sit and be okay with, with sometimes doing nothing. And I notice this on my phone. I don't know what phone you might use, Claire, but I've got an iPhone and it often comes up on a weekly basis and says about your screen time, how much you've been on screen. And I noticed during the summer break, of course, I'd taken a three-week holiday, I was probably on my phone more listening to music on Spotify with my ears in poolside or listening to a podcast or I was scrolling mindlessly on social media for example and my screen time was something ridiculous like seven hours a day and I was like wow that is incredible now I probably wasn't looking at the phone for a lot of that time if I just had music on but actually um it was present because I'd be flicking on and I'd be checking what song or I'd be skipping these are the things that we're always doing something, aren't we? We're so switched on. So I've noticed um, and been present with that more recently to think, actually, I need to be away from my phone. So reducing that, and I track that on a weekly basis because we can become overly distracted with all of the things that are around us. So I think that's a great a great way to look at it. I'm definitely yeah. purchasing that book today. Yeah, you know, and, and it's other things like, you know, we've recently started to do a bit of paddleboarding. Um, one of the great things about paddleboarding is that, you know, we're not good enough to be able to take our phones out with us <laughs> in case we fall in. So it's like you haven't got your phone with you. You might be out for several hours. Um, you're in nature. Um, you are being much more mindful. You're focusing on just one thing, which is making sure that you you step right on that paddleboard and so on. You know, it, it's got, you know, so many benefits. I'm constantly looking for ways now um, in my everyday life to get back to some of the basics that for you know millions of years um we just had as 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 part of the way we had to live yeah you know so things like fasting you know I do more fasting these days in terms of you know what I'm eating and drinking so allowing myself periods of time where I'm not having anything at all um you know doing a bit of cold water swimming um and I mean they're, they're all you know they're all small things I should be doing way way more um, I will do, you know, way more because um, the more the more I understand this stuff, the more I realise just how unhealthy we're becoming. And you know, I'm not a well-being coach, but as a peak performance coach, you know, every, everything that supports well-being is ultimately supporting peak performance. And you know, I mentioned I'm 55. You know, I've, I think I might have mentioned that. You know, I'm a, I've, I've got a grandchild now as well. I want to make sure that I live a long, productive, healthy life. Um, and so that's another thing. It's like, you know, concentrating on or identifying, you know, all these different things that we can do that enables us to be that. Because, you know, leadership, leadership isn't just what we do when we're, you know, in our job. Is it, you know, we're leaders in our society, we're leaders in our families you know we're trying yeah. to influence you know the next generation and the generation after that in my case to um to perform at their best and to get the best out of life and to have a, a great impact on on um you know the people around them 
Agreed massively. And I, I, I we're very similar in our thought process on that, Claire. And I think that's why we got on so well, because, you know, we can be leading in, in so many different scenarios and situations and, and how do we help ourselves and others be at our best. So I think that nice reflection today of thinking about what are the things that we could be doing that maybe does push us out of our comfort zone, but brings us so many benefits. So perhaps for our listeners um, on the podcast today, think about what some of that might look like for yourselves. Now, maybe uh, taking Claire's leaf out, out of your book, maybe jumping out a plane with the person you've just complained to is maybe not a good idea <laughs> for some. I still think that's priceless. But maybe there could be something on the more everyday approach that, that people could try out. I love that. Um, Claire, we also spoke because we we'd, you had an abundance of topics we could chat about. And I thought, oh gosh, this would be like three episodes and you're very, always welcome to come back. But we were talking briefly about... Um, the opportunity for AI, artificial intelligence and leadership and coaching. Tell us a wee bit of your thoughts on that. Yeah, so the, again, this is something that I'm thinking about, investigating, playing with and talking to the people about a lot at the moment. <laughs> and I thought when I first started exploring this, um, what, maybe six or seven months ago, I was like really at the forefront of things. No, I was not. <laughs> The more I talk to people, I started to realise, oh, hang on a minute, there's loads of stuff out there and, and there's lots that people are already doing. So um, I wouldn't say I feel like I'm on the back foot. Um, but it, again, it, it kind of reminded me of, again, as somebody, and I consider myself um, as a coach to also be a leader because I'm influencing all the time. And as a leader, you've got to be out front, haven't you? That's the whole thing about leadership. You've got to be out front. So again, it's a bit of a reminder to just make sure that I always am out front with things. And um, so, yeah, so so in terms of artificial intelligence specifically, let me talk about, um, if, if I may, specifically in terms of coaching to begin with. Yeah, of course. In regard to, to coaching, one of my first things is to say, well, as a coach myself, how do I use artificial intelligence that's available now to make me more efficient in the way that I work, both in the, if you like, the business administrative side of things, but then even more so what I've been playing with is within my actual, the practice of my coaching. So not the practice of the business, but the practice of my coaching. So for example, um, you know, actually setting up on, um, and I'm gonna be, I've been using ChatGPT4, uh, so that's the paid version, but, but using that to help me think through how I'm working with some of my clients. So I haven't made my coaching supervisor redundant, <laughs> um, but at the same time, that convenience of having, in effect, it's almost like having a team member here in my office um, that I can talk to about what I'm doing with um, individual coaches. And by the way, just from a um, GDPR perspective, you know, I'm not naming them. Um, I'm giving them um, alternative names and things and even playing with superhero names and stuff like that because I love all that sure. sort of thing. Yeah. When I into chat GPT. But I am... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm talking to it about, you know, what I'm thinking of in terms of preparation, what I'm thinking of in terms of reflecting on the session, how else I might be able to add value to my client. I'm even using it to create exercises and very bespoke exercises for my client after a session. Um, I'm using it to explore some stuff in terms of my own development. So, you know, you take something like 
it's, it's a coaching thing called polarities. Um, but, you know, rather than going to have to buy the latest book, I can go in and I can like just, if it, as long as you know how to ask the right questions, you can get some great answers back that deepen your knowledge on a subject. Um, we haven't got time for me to tell you the multitude of ways in which I'm starting to just use it. Um, but what it leads me to is if I can be much more efficient with all those sorts of things, then I can concentrate on what I believe is the real power of us cultures, which is more those softer and maybe subtler, more impactful skills of when we're with the client, being able to help the client to be more ease with us than they are with anybody else in the world. Yeah. So that they can open up and think and feel at depths and breadths that they never normally feel anywhere else, which allows them to start to tap into the real personal growth, the creativity, um, to understand what's getting in the way for them so that we can then work on moving those things out of the way so that they can perform at their best, et cetera, et cetera. It really allows me to, to, to add that value. The AI will never be able to add, in my humble opinion, um, but AI, what it will be able to do, and again, this is a real message for any coaches listening, AI will be able to, fundamentally, and it already can, there's stuff out there where if you're a fairly basic coach, it's already taken over the stuff that you can offer. Mm-hmm. I'll stop there for a minute. No, I think um, it's a really it's a really interesting subject matter, isn't it? And I like some of the examples that you've shared there, Claire, on how we can utilise it. So uh, to be more efficient, thinking about it as that extra resource in your office. So maybe on a uh, reflective practice of when we've you know had a coaching session things that we could then offer to deepen that opportunity that we we support our coaches with outside of the coaching session. So I love that you're being able to build some bespoke activities. And again, this can give us all food for thought on what we might use AI for. So it could give us more generated ideas. I don't think we'd want to lose the essence of you, but you can ask it for, you know, support, recommendations and take it from there. So I think how you're using that is really powerful. So I think these examples are great that you've shared. And I suppose thinking about, you you also mentioned, how do how do we then move into... Oh, I think I cut out there. Are you still there? Yeah. Oh, good. I don't know what happened there. It went all a bit funny. Um, I think I sounded like I went underwater. I definitely didn't. Um, thinking about what the future of the leadership development landscape looks like, and you have some thoughts on that, perhaps I'd love to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, thinking about this, I started, you know, I'm forever connecting my old role as a HR director with my current role. And it started making me think, gosh, if I was a HR director now and thinking about the leadership development aspects of my role and my function, um, you know, it's very likely that, we, that we're going to have to start to change quite radically what we're offering. Because I honestly believe that leadership development programs as such, where you have cohorts going through them, I've probably seen their day. Oh my God, that's quite controversial to put it out there. And apologies for anyone listening that's running those programs. But I think we need to ask ourselves the question that they're, you know, what can they offer that is going to be better? And I think I've already got an answer to that. But anyway, that can be better than what could be provided 
for people in leadership roles that can be much more personalized to them in terms of when do they want to access that development? Where do they want to access that development? How do they want to access it? Because there's so many different ways that you can do that now, again, with the use of AI. Um, What's the very specific content that they need? Um, And providing them some of that content more on a just-in-time kind of philosophy because, again, one of the things with, with people in leadership roles, even more so now, they are so busy um, with so many things to attend to. And the pace is of change is so fast that they go on a leadership program you know, for 12 weeks or whatever now. And then actually in six months' time, maybe some of those things are irrelevant or less relevant because things have moved on. So actually being able to provide things that are much more personalized, individualized to the leader, I think has got a huge relevance going forward. Um, So then, you know, so thinking about things like delivering leadership programs, well, how do you deliver that differently, bearing that in mind? You still have cohorts going through the same content at the same time, in the same place or in the same way. Um, I think another, I mean, there's lots on this, so I'll I'll be brief and won't talk about all of it, but I think the second thing is um, because the leader can now, and um, they might not realise it, but eventually will, can now access so much just for themselves, even if it's not directly via their company, again, through the various different AI type channels and options and so on, um, knowledge-wise, yeah, they can take the knowledge. what they really need, and this is not just me kind of like upping the sales pitch for us coaches, but what they really need more than the knowledge given to them is, is they need the opportunity out of their very hectic lives to sit with somebody and work with that knowledge in terms of how are they applying it, reflecting out aloud, looking at, again, if they're not applying it as well as they would like to, what's getting in the way for them, what's really going on there, et cetera, et cetera. And so all those things that, you know, we really good coaches can um, work with the depth of. And then linking that to one of the big things that tends to come up when we're having those conversations is their emotional intelligence. You know, in other words, you know, their ability to understand themselves, their ability to be able to manage their emotional responses to things, which tends to be the bulk of what gets in the way when we're trying to apply new knowledge and skills. Um, So I think it will put a much greater emphasis on, again, really good coaching um, alongside perhaps more individualized, um, yeah, uh, content and content delivery methods. Again, I um, completely agree with that. And you you pose some great thoughts for, for any of us to, to consider and reflect on because, you know, we are so unique, aren't we? Each person individually, how we absorb and how we how we learn. And actually what we might be doing now isn't probably going to be in the moment relevant, perhaps in three, six months time. So as you've mentioned, and it's um, an interesting conversation I'd had earlier this week with Jen Tate um, for um, a podcast episode as well, thinking about that that journey that people go through in their first couple of years within a role. Actually, 
do we need to be continually reviewing and reflecting on what, what we're doing that really shapes that individual approach at that time? Because we are so unique in what our needs are. So, you know, taking that opportunity to work with an individual and and apply that learning, uh, apply that reflection, have those opportunities to to talk and, and make that change happen in organisations, I think is vital. Uh, and uh, equally so with the emotional intelligence link there as well. Couldn't agree more, Claire. Yeah, well, you know, I think I think back. Um, I mean, I've I've been in business now for thirty seven years in in you know one sort of leadership role and now coaching role, and another. And for the first decade or two, you know, you could go on something at Ashridge, let's say, <clears throat> um, Henley, wherever, um, and do some big leadership program. And what you learned would last for quite a while. But yeah. a lot of what happened back in the eighties and nineties is actually not just irrelevant now, it's wrong. <laughs> We've yeah, actually agreed. learned about, you know, what it is to be human and what, how that kind of reflects leadership. We've also worked about, learned about, you know, the world at large. You know, you take subjects around diversity or sustainability and so on, and, and they were barely touched on um, back then. So, but now the pace I find that it's one of the reasons why I'm constantly developing myself is even stuff I learned five years ago, we're now questioning whether or not that's quite right or relevant. Yeah, I agree. And it has, it's so, it's changed dramatically, hasn't it? And again, I had a conversation just last night, they're delivering a session for the Association for Coaching members and talking about that style of leadership that we were trained on years ago, inverted commas, about command and control, that kind of dictating style isn't hasn't been relevant for quite some time now, but we're still seeing that being churned out, if you like, in leadership development programs. So it is an opportunity for people in business to really take stock and think, well, actually, what are we doing today that sets our people up for success, that helps everyone professionally be at their very best that they can be? but giving them the tools to support themselves first and foremost and support others around us because it's not just a you know one size fits all broad brush approach we need to be thinking about how do we tailor that um, to help each individual person and, and what their their requirements are in that moment all yeah. great stuff and food for thought isn't it yeah and i think it all links together the conversation that we've been having because again it's this mm. this need to encourage leaders to just accept the discomfort of that continual learning they do yeah. not have the answers they're not always right and that's not a negative actually accepting that as a leader <clears throat> me accepting it as a coach as well you know we're not always right so having that open mind having that superpower of curiosity to you know challenge ourselves as to you know what might be more relevant now what might be different now um and in order to do that you have to be prepared to be uncomfortable <laughs> so it kind of like it kind of like links everything um together I think and um, yeah and, and appreciating that um I you know it's both for me it's both equally scary and exciting um, like I say, in equal measures, where the long-term future goes, I have no idea. When I'm talking yeah. about future, oh, I'm talking about the next few years, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. I I, I, compl- I feel the same, Claire. Absolutely the same. And it's an exciting opportunity to think about what comes next and, and how we can really be part of that and help continue to shape and influence that going forward as great leaders and coaches in our businesses. So um, I think that's all absolutely spot on. Claire, if you could give a lasting comment or a top tip or a consideration, what, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here and you've probably got an abundance of them, but what would be your one thing that you would ask people to, to consider or a top tip for today? I think I would go back to the start on the <clears throat> on the discomfort and you don't have to do something which is huge. Just identify something that um, is a fear that is holding you back and has held you back in life for a long time. It could be something really small, but identify it. And then within the next 24 hours, take an action, yeah, to be uncomfortable to to face that fear or whatever you want to call it and um, take an action it doesn't have to be a huge action uh, but take an action um stop procrastinating because i know people in, in terms of my clients they they have stuff that's been going on for years and years and years and they know what it is <laughs> yeah. but they don't even start taking the step to do something about it yeah. And I think that's that's the key thing, isn't it? Just taking one one step doesn't have to be a massive thing. It can just be that that one thing. And so it's a great top tip, actually, Claire. And of course, um, we're recording this on a Friday. Um, so this that's a really good top tip for a Friday. But of course, when this episode lands, it'll go out on a Monday. So it's maybe thinking about what what a person might do in that that week, um, taking that opportunity to to carve out an action in that first 24 hours of the working week can be perhaps something that might feel a little bit scary, but thinking of getting to the end of the week and something that you might have changed or or impacted or influenced from that one small action that, that Claire's recommended can be really powerful stuff. So who knows where it might might take anyone listening today. Laura, can I yeah, thank you. with that as well? come out of um, Stephen Bartlett's um, book that I've just finished, his latest book. Um, So actually, and I've seen this written elsewhere, but actually saying, I will do X by Y, just using the word I will rather than I try or I'm thinking about or, you know, just those words, I will, saying it out loud and writing it down and indeed, if possible, sharing it with another person hugely increases your chances of doing it. Agreed, agreed. Um, it's on my um, purchase list, actually. I'd noticed that he'd shared the other day um, just some of the pictures um, from, um, I follow Stephen Bartlett on on LinkedIn. I think he's an, an awesome human being. Um, and I think his new book's The 33 Laws of Business and Life, isn't it? Um, yes, so it I think, is it good? Another great recommendation, Claire. Thank you for that. I'll, I'll be able to Amazon purchases straight after this call. <laughs> but I think it's good, isn't it, just to take these small nuggets and, and think about how we apply these things in our own lives. And, and that's that's where those small, subtle, everyday changes can happen. And, and maybe that's where the sweet spot of, of that positive, helpful change that will help us continue to move forward uh, lives. So Claire, thank you so much for today. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. It really is. Now, Claire, obviously on the episode, um, we will have on our show notes and, and for anyone listening, 
If you want to get in touch with Claire, you'll find all of Claire's contact details, website links and, and on LinkedIn on the show notes of the episode. So wherever you're consuming your podcast today, head to the show notes section and you'll find all the details. We'll also produce a little mini toolkit highlighting some of the things that, that Claire has mentioned and send that out to our subscribers. So if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, head on over to www.dnacoach.com co.uk forward slash podcast to get yourselves registered. Um, Claire, thank you so much. Um, if people want to get in, in touch with you directly now, um, what is your best uh, contact? Is it your website? Is that where we would direct everyone to? Yeah, www.leadersaremad.co.uk. Brilliant brand name, Claire. I absolutely love that. Um, so I'm going to think about, I'm, I'm going to do my accountability check-in with you. I'm going to think about something that might push me out of my comfort zone. I haven't done anything wild for quite some time. I have done a skydive many years ago in Australia. I don't think I'd be as well to do that these days, but maybe there's something a, a little less scary, but still something myself. So I'll get my thinking cap on today whilst I'm ordering these two books that you recommended to consider what I might do next. Uh, Claire, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for joining me today um, and uh, wishing you all the best hopefully I'll get to see you on the 29th of October in Stockton for your five minute stand up brilliant thanks Laura you're welcome take care bye for now